The flyover state sports show is for a mature audience. It contains strong language and adult situations. We do not own the rights to any audio of the podcast. Viewer discretion is advised. Is this on? joined today by my co-host Caleb the Bean Jubal and a special guest today making his in-ring return. We have Gavin Turd Ferguson Alexander back in the house. Yay! We're back. Holy hey, shit, Gavin, how new how new is your house? I got to know. Um, well, actually, the majority of the improvements that started happening were on the exterior. Um, so we have all new flower beds. We have grass. Um, I knew it. I knew we planted grass. <laughs> Did you hear all the stuff we made up for you? No, I haven't listened to a episode since I left. Um, That's my boy. I don't <laughs> I, listen to the show either. I, um, when I heard, like, about the like rumors like you know the media start releasing stuff of like what i was doing in my absence um i did it did get a very like staunch laugh out of me though so uh congrats on that at least (laughs) we were we were pulling every house are you saying the three houses you built in the dominican were not true that might have been extending the truth just a little bit um (laughs) i kenzie uh could uh you know, back that up as a uh, second source on that, but uh, she didn't find it nearly as funny as I did when I told her that uh, rumor that was going through ESPN. So. <laughs> no, it, that, <laughs> we were just I pulling. Could have built we were houses than what existed there, though. Just oh my god! Oh, oh, no, no, no. Whoa. I'm just, okay. No, I'm not. I'm. I'm you know what? I'm just going to say it. I'm an engineer in a first world country. I could probably, you know, say a thing or two about structural integrity of like stick. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Gavin has duct tape and twigs and he builds better structures than what. Uh, I'm sorry. Anyway, but yeah, we were pulling stuff out of our ass, like trying to think, okay, what is Gavin doing this week? And guess right what, now. ladies and gents? He is on the pod he is back ladies and gentlemen our content our our viewership yeah i was about to say our viewership's about to skyrocket now it's about to go from two people to three people (laughs) it was a good break there was not much going on anyways so went ahead worked on our shit and now um the news cycle starting to pick back up anyways there's kind of actual news uh one thing that's really important that i know sam's dying to talk about Mm, yes, let me pull up. Let me pull up the tweet as I am unprepared to, uh, you know, answer to your uh, request. So, the tinfoil hat comes off, ladies and gentlemen, because the tinfoil hat conspiracy theory is no longer a conspiracy theory; it's a reality. This was reported by Pete Thamel, who is probably the best voice in terms of college football reporting. At 4.04 Central Time today, 
<clears throat> Source. Colorado is in discussions about a move to the Big 12, and the school has just completed a board meeting and scheduled another for tomorrow to discuss the move. The Big 12 is also holding a president's meeting tonight where there's expected to be an expansion update and probably a vote to admit Colorado. So the rumors are is that within the next 48 hours, there will be an announcement that the Colorado Buffalo will be returning to the Big 12 and possibly more to come. First question. So I, yeah, go I didn't mean to steal. When would this take effect? Um, the Pac-12 media contract runs out July of next year. So I think it's July. I think it is July. So it would essentially, and the academic year is July 1st, so pretty much in one year. Okay, all right. Well, what happened in the 2024 season, that's when USC and UCLA are also leaving for the Big Ten. So it basically, they're basically just doing the same thing one year removed from USC and UCLA. So any Pac-12 team that could jump ship to the Big 12 would also be coming in at that time. No, so uh, first thing, great for the Big 12. Um, that's just easy because Big 12 gets stronger while simultaneously the uh, second thing, Pac-12, gets weaker. And I want to, um, I don't have a hat on, but if I did, I would take it off and return to my current state um, for <laughs> Sam. Because uh, Sam's been really ahead of this. You uh, had the sources. Um, victory, victory lap all you want. You deserve it. But uh, this is... Um, the demise of the Pac-12 is happening like before our very eyes, and like I, the people in the media, whatever, like us, can say that, and it sounds hyperbole or like whatever, but like we're actually here. Um, like it's, I, I don't know how the Pac-12 kind of like rebounds and maintains outside of the media treating it as a you know big name conference because it carries the Pac-12 name. Um, how do they stay relevant? How do they? Can they? Well, so the big question now is, so a, a little bit of background on how we've gotten here, and this isn't anything confirmed. This will come out in books and documentaries in five years if the Pac-12 folds. But essentially what had happened is, is once USC and UCLA decided they were going to the Big Ten and that got all announced and everything, George Kliavkov, who is the Pac-12 commissioner, opened a 30-day exclusive media negotiation window with Fox and ESPN and, like, I think NBC was involved, too. Essentially looking to extend the contract, like, right after or whatever, or, like, get their next media deal. Because their media deal was coming up in 2024, and the Big 12 was coming up in 2025. So they were looking to, you know get out in front of the Big 12, get the payday, whatever. Well, what happened was is that the media companies came back and they probably said, hey, we're going to give you about what the Big 12 ended up getting, maybe a little bit more because the Pac-12 is more, you know, branding such as Oregon, Washington, Stanford, like whatever. So they probably like, hey, here's $35 million a year per school. And... George Klyovkov during that time was like, we're going for $50 million. 
we're going to get close to like the SEC and the Big Ten, which is ludicrous because they're making like 70 and like 100 million like per school. But at the time, the Big Ten hadn't signed that new contract yet, but that's beside the point. Anyway, so what happened was is it just so happened that immediately after that window ended, the Big 12 announced that they were going to negotiate their contract early, and it just so happened that they jumped ahead of the Pac-12 in terms of getting a media contract. So the prevailing theory is that the Pac-12 said, no, up yours to ESPN, and then ESPN looked at the Big 12 and said, hey, do you want this money that they're not going to get and you can take some of their teams? And the Big 12, you know, took it and nestled inside of that contract for all to see but none to acknowledge is a pro rata agreement with ESPN, not with Fox. So ESPN covers about two-thirds, so about $20 million of the media contract. And Fox covers the other 10-ish. So in the contract, ESPN is a pro rata agreement with the Big 12 that any expansion from a Power 5 member gets a full share from ESPN. So all they have to do to get a full share is negotiate it with Fox, right? So Colorado will be coming in with a full share. Any other P5 that would be coming in from the Pac-12 will probably also get a full share. And the Pac-12 media deal currently either, A, doesn't exist to the point where Colorado is ready to move to the Big 12, or is so bad, that, and they've seen the numbers, that they would rather leave the academic sphere of Stanford, Cal Berkeley, whatever, to take $31.5 million from the Big 12 in athletic budget. So, yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now. That's kind of how we got here. And so the next week is going to be extremely crucial, crucial for the Pac-12 because – San Diego State is not an expansion option at this moment in time as presented because the buyout fee for San Diego State doubled from like $16 million to $32 million once July 1st came and went. So San Diego State isn't going to pay $32 million to have a TV contract that's like twenty, right? Plus... The Pac-12 also has to pay back Comcast. Don't need to get into that. But the final big issue is that what's probably going to happen is this contract probably is in the low 20s. And it's going to be more than 50% streaming, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but it is a big deal, right? So you get bad exposure and less money. So that's kind of the reason why Colorado's going. And now the floodgates open to anyone else who decides that they want to join the Big 12 and Pac-12. Or I guess anyone that Fox is willing to take. That 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 was my big takeaway was, um, I mean, the TV deal being bad has never been confirmed, but has always been kind of a thought for a while. But you needed the first Pac-12 school to jump ship first before I'd kind of like, I don't, I don't know, like believe or see before our own eyes that the Pac-12 is falling apart. And we've got one now. And you're saying of the floodgates are open is kind of exactly how I feel about it. Yeah. So here is kind of what's funny is, is San Diego State has been the top expansion candidate from the Pac-12 for the entire time that this has been. And the moment, so San Diego State sent a letter 
in June, like mid-June, to the Mountain West, that was kind of like, we're leaving, but like, not actually, so like, we could still have plausible deniability that we didn't officially say we're leaving, if we brought it into court. And so, they kind of did like a half-ass leave, and when they didn't fully leave and decided they were going back to the Mountain West, that was kind of the sign that oh shit, shit might be hitting the fan because they would just say they're leaving. If Like if the Pac-12 was going to get this media deal done, right? And they were going to like expand with San Diego State. Like they want to figure out the numbers first and then expand. San Diego State would have just left, but they couldn't because the numbers were either bad or there was no deal like even close. So that was kind of the first sign that things were... Not good. And honestly, this is just me being a Twitter junkie or an ex-junkie, I guess, now. But starting yesterday, there have been hit pieces. So John Canzano and John Wilner are two of the biggest mouthpieces for the Pac-12 in terms of, like, talking points in, like, local national media, if that makes sense. And they had gone from no one is leaving, everything is fine, to the past 48 hours starting to talk about, well, what if Colorado does leave? Or why is Colorado like a weird fit in the Pac-12? Or why might the Big 12 be more attractive to Colorado? Blah, 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 right? So the narrative has shifted over the past 48 hours, and it's now shifting to, oh, Colorado is just this weird step-handed child who used to play in this conference for 86 years. No wonder they left. No one else will leave. So it's the Wild West right now. You have all sorts of reports that Oregon and Washington might be interested. Arizona's been in the mix the entire time. Utah and Arizona State have been floated out. I think Oregon State could be a candidate potentially if if, uh, Oregon and Washington don't turn into a thing. And UConn and Gonzaga are just out there. UConn would be for all sports. That's kind of just a thing that will probably happen for basketball, and Gonzaga will eventually just happen too. So, two things with this, Sam. That has to be the best reporting I think you have ever done. Yeah, Thank you. Second, that second you, you, I, I have been following this for the better part of a year, so I know pretty much this, all. Every day, I listen to a podcast about every other day about this. So you literally like you were like, "This is my time," <laughs> and the podium yes. was yours. <laughs> I, I apologize for anyone who is not super interested in the business of college football and that doesn't really care about the realignment and stuff, but this is kind of what's happening. We won't dive into this because it's not news yet. Yeah. The ACC is the next conference to watch, right? Because they're tied into a grant of rights till Mm -hmm. 2036 Mm -hmm. and their contract for their media deal is the same until 2036 so for 13 years so the big 12 contract starts in 25 goes to 31 so the big 12 can renew their contract again and they already make more money than the acc on a per school basis so the rumor is and this will eventually trickle back to the big 12 is that teams like virginia and north carolina and and uh Clemson and Miami and Florida State are going to try and break that grant of rights, bolt to the SEC or Big Ten, and that's kind of the next wave. 
where the Big 12 can end up with teams like Syracuse, Pitt, Louisville, Virginia Tech, stuff like that. But that's the time for another day. So shout out to like to Brent Yormark and the rest of the Big 12 officials to just sit back and let the cards fall. Like I think they've done a really good job at that. Well, they Brett Yormark has done two very good things. One, the Pac-12 blinked at signing a new media rights deal because they thought they were worth more. And he went in and he got it. Whether yeah. or not he's smart enough to have gotten it or ESPN said, hey, you should do this. And he did it. Or two, you could argue either way. But that's one. So Brett Yormark deserves a lot of credit for being energetic and forward-thinking and Subtle. He's always been he's always been like that though. Yes. The other thing too is is during this entire time, while the Pac-12 has been kicking the can down the road essentially for the last year, because that's the big thing, is it probably takes a year to negotiate these things. That's why, like when it was supposed this deal should have been negotiated about this time, maybe a couple months prior, like now, like on a normal cycle. But because they opened it up a year early, now we're like a year down the road. Like it should be done by now. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of ominous and everything with Pac-12. But at the same time, Brett Uwermark is making the Big 12 look way more attractive. You got the Big 12 Mexico, which I think is a great idea. People don't like the idea because they don't like change. I think it's an awesome idea to send some kids down to Mexico to play a high-profile game. And then the Rucker Park stuff. And just all the like, all the like branding and everything. Even if everything's not good, we're trying new things. Which, if you try a lot of new things, some things will stick. No, so, I I hundred percent agree. That I'm my mind is like assaulted with information now because it's all stuff that yes. like I think the majority of people have like heard about but don't understand the why they're any runnings behind the whatever. And that was a, as being just kind of said, a excellent um, informative explanation of. Yes. That. So again, for everyone listening who has been to quote Gavin assaulted by information, this has been pretty much a story since I can't remember. It, it's been a story for literally a year. Because yeah. about one year ago, there was that tweet from the Athletic and Bleach Report that said the Big 12 is interested in Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Oregon, and Washington. And, like, that was, like, a big report that, like, they were interested in, like, getting them. And it's kind of just been a whole thing for the last year. So pretty much I just spilled a year's worth of information in five to ten minutes. So... I would say that's a lot of information for our users to digest. I would say if you guys have any other specific questions to uh, ask them now. And if not, I have one one tweet from uh, the fake anonymous source or whatever that like really isn't anything crazy. But let's hear let's hear this. Let's hear this tweet. Uh, Basically, to paraphrase, um, Colorado is a basically officially requested big 12 membership. That's like not a surprise. Um, a vote happens tonight. That's kind of what I said. It's implied pack 12 votes tonight or no. So Colorado was requested membership. 
officially, allegedly. Big 12. Big 12 votes tonight. Tonight, okay. And then this is the big thing. So this is another, like, super, like, nerdy thing that I've learned. So in the state of Colorado, to move the conference, essentially, and this is what happened when Colorado moved to the Pac-12. You have basically an executive session where you decide what you're doing and you decide if you have the votes, right? But you have to hold that vote in a public setting, like in a public meeting, whatever. Yeah. So the meeting today to decide to move was private. It was between all the border regions. And they pretty much just said, hey, we're moving, right? And they were like, yeah, we're moving. We're all going to vote for that, right? And enough people said, yeah, we're voting for that. So you have a private meeting to have the public meeting yeah, to so the public meeting. And so the, the fun thing is, is Colorado, if you type in Colorado, um, uni- Colorado University um, Board of Regents meetings, they have a really nice schedule. Right. And I looked at it today and the meeting was posted for today. And if you look at it right now, there is a meeting for tomorrow and it just so happens to be a public meeting. Mm. So the vote should happen. At what I believe is two o'clock, either central and mountain to three o'clock. So it's either two to three central or one to two mountain, whatever. Doesn't really matter. But anyways, so it appears that the vote will happen tomorrow. So there'll be some leak that says it's official tomorrow is what I would assume. Um, The other more fun tweet, because that one's really just a semantics tweet. The other fun one, which isn't super surprising, is that in the past several hours, every Pac-12 school not named Cal or Stanford, which Cal and Stanford don't really give a shit about athletics, anyways, have reached out to the Big 12, apparently. So, in theory, they could take eight schools and they could have 20, but I don't think they would do that. They would probably leave out a couple. So... That's what it do, baby. I'm just interested at this point. It again, we've uh, like you said, it's been a story for a year. We've slowly gathered information. This feels like the first actual news slash step yes. that has like actually happened, and um, we've been building up to this for so long. And now we have that first step. I, I, again, the floodgates being opened, it just seems so interesting now to see where does what happens with uh, the rest of the Pac-12. But, I mean, the whole college football landscape is just changing so much before our very eyes. It seems like every year. Yep. There, I'll leave you with this. There are three distinct possibilities. One, it's just Colorado which is entirely possible. It's entirely possible that Colorado is the only one that leaves and everyone has been together in a conference for a hundred years and wants to stay. And they just backfill with like San Diego state. They help like pay their entry fee or whatever, they, whatever they eventually get San Diego state in there and they just do pack 10 things. One to three other schools could leave. Let's just say it's the four corners schools, uh, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah. Those are like the fun ones. Um, This is kind of broken into two parts. If those four leave, then you can fill in with like SMU, San Diego State, Tulane. You can just huck rice in there for fun because academics. 
And you still have, you know, Cal Berkeley, you still have Stanford, you still have Washington, you still have Oregon, like you still have like the two biggest remaining brands and you kind of just hold on kind of like fake Big 12 it or whatever from like 2012, 2011. Yeah. The opposite of that is if it's like Colorado and like Arizona and like Oregon and Washington, then that conference is fucked. Yeah. Because like then you're just fucked. Because you don't have the branding. And the, the other thing is just Oregon and Washington end up in the Big Ten or the Pac-12. And then like four other, like if six schools leave, then like we'll just say or Oregon State and Washington State are probably fucked. Stanford probably goes independent. And honestly, Cal probably drops football. Or yeah. like go like Cal Cal is like really fucking poor right now. And Cal could honestly just like Like, say, Sayonara to, like, football because it's expensive. Wow. So we are going to learn a lot more in the next 48 hours, and we're going to learn even more in the next week because this will happen very quickly. No, I 100% agree. But we have uh, dove deeply into the changing landscape of college football. And speaking of changing landscapes, I know something that Beans and I are dying to talk about (laughs) is the the ever-changing landscape of the running back position of the last six months or so in the NFL. Um, I'm not sure because I haven't listened and I haven't been here about uh, how much we've already dug into on this topic. But I know two things. Is that God told me I'm here because God told me that I had a purpose today to be here <laughs> on this podcast so that I could talk about and confirm with the American public that running backs do not matter. I don't care what the Zoom call says. And yes. I wanted to also talk about Chiefs training camp with Beans because I don't trust him to talk about <laughs> Chiefs training camp and pollute the waters. I that is why God put me. That is why God put me on the podcast. The the moment that Beans texted we were talking about running backs today, I knew you would be on. <laughs> like, I I knew I, I didn't know, but I was like, dude, there's like an eighty percent chance that Gavin's gonna get on because he he's it, gonna want to dunk. I know you you want to dunk on that Zoom call so bad right now. So okay, I want to say one quick thing about that Zoom call. That Zoom call had to have lasted less than 45 minutes because you'd have to pay for Zoom premium. Uh, that's all I'm saying. We have to use Skype because it's free. I know that they ain't paying for Zoom premium. I know that's for a yeah, fact. Yeah, I don't have the money to do it. <laughs> I, I almost wonder if... Okay, so like... Not to take away from your joke, but I do wonder if they actually do have Zoom premium from like through the teams because of COVID. Do you think like they use New York Giants Zoom call to like? <laughs> they just let him go and sit in the GM's office. Protect- I'm going to be more the contract. Honest to God, I want to know. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall on that Zoom call, just to hear. Yeah, just to hear it, just to hear them talk. So, I want we where this all started 
is, you know, for years, um, pro football focus really at the forefront of it. But the American public has become increasingly aware that of the um, replaceability of the running back position. It's capitalistic um, contracts. Uh, it's a salary cap league supply and demand like i think most of the american public is smart enough to understand like why we are here um the reality is that um the american public doesn't run nfl teams 32 dumbasses do that have money and don't understand supply and demand and don't understand economics um so we've now got to a point where we understand replaceability um and the zoom call the funny thing about the zoom call i've talked to you guys about this um is you have the running back elites that come into the Zoom call to talk about like where they are, whatever. Um, there's two problems I had with that. A, you put the running back elites into um, a Zoom call. You're immediately like alienating half of your position. Um, so like I, that was my first issue. Is like the whole thing of like your backup is not as bad as uh, like you think they are and they're better than you. they're ready to replace you at any moment. It's the entire uh, concept of replaceability. And you're like immediately alienating them because like, well, you're not a part of the real running back position. Only we are. Uh, that's a problem. And the other part of this just comes to like the, I understand the harsh reality and like how it can be difficult to wrap your heads around where we are. But like, I mean, like Austin Eckler, but Austin Eckler sets up this meeting. One of my favorite tweets by him with, that just describes the disconnect is the uh, like Austin Eckler. I'm not going to go find the actual tweet, but it's essentially just saying um, we know that NFL teams can't win without a good running back. You need a good running back to win in today's game. And like, you know, the first thing that's quote treated with that is the like the Super Bowl winners since like the year 2000 and how much they paid their running back. And uh, we just watched in the Super Bowl with the Chiefs and the um, Eagles. I mean, you can just go back through the list and see not paying your running back is a um, both that wins. And we've every single big money contract since Le'Veon Bell has, has backfired on NFL teams. So the I only ones from that list that are good. So that list is slightly disingenuous because like it's the rushing yards in that Super Bowl. So like Marshawn Lynch isn't pictured. Yeah. And Ray Rice was good. But, like, those are the two, and that's from, like, 2013 and, like, 2011. Yeah. No, it's um, it's amazing. I truly feel bad for them. Like, it is a situation where they are correct. They are undercompensated for mm -hmm. production, what they do to a team. The personal aspect of it sucks. Um, the part where it's fun to victory lap is the people that have, like us, that have been here for years and like this is stupid the zeke elliott contract was stupid at the time just all of that stuff but the human aspect of it does suck yes. um there's i i don't even really even care to like uh talk about a solution because the, the reality the reality is uh i don't know how easy a solution is that's not making running back specific rules um and at that point uh, you're almost leaning towards positionless football being like an easier way out than um, talking specifically about running backs and contracts, but go ahead, Sam. There, there is one solution, and no one's gonna do it because player players are inherently just kind of greedy. Um, so the NBA has, I'm sure you guys know about this, but in the NBA they have a max contract, mm -hmm. 
And so it's 30. It's so essentially no player can earn more than 35% of the cap. And basically what that does is a couple things. One, the biggest contract in NBA history is literally the next guy who comes up and signs a Supermax who's like made an all NBA team or has like yep. the, the pre records of qualifiers because you, because like a regular max contract is like 25 or 30%. And then if you do like all this shit, like if you win MVP, it can get up to like 35 or whatever. But the other thing it does is, and this would be less so for football because Football is completely different. You have so many other positions. So I don't know if it would work per se, but essentially if the quarterback takes up like 25% of your cap right now, and then you make it to where you can only max out at 15, then like theoretically there's 10 more percent of the cap that you can spend anywhere else. And theoretically that would Theoretically, it would rise, raise all ships, but at the same time, it probably there's probably not enough. There's not enough money that would go around to eventually circle back to the rainbacks. We'd probably just be paying like other positions more money. <laughs> right. No, that that's the thing. That's the the sad part is because I mean I remember saying here. I still feel this way today, sitting here. I don't think the running backs are. Uh, replaceable. I don't think running backs is a uh, worthless position. I still don't think that's gone far enough. It's like the reality of like where we are still here today is Nick Nick Chubb's going to go out. Let, I'm just using Nick Chubb as, as an example, but these elite running backs that are in here talking, whatever. Um, Nick Chubb's going to get hurt at some point this season. Getting hurt's a problem at the running back position, but independent of him getting hurt, Jerome Ford is going to come in here, have 100 yards rushing and probably another 50 receiving, flop into the end zone once. And that, that, that is the real problem of the running back position, is that one of the greatest running backs in the game, Nick Chubb, is going to get hurt. We watch this every single year, and the backup running back comes in. Does not matter who it is, as long as the team gives them the ball, like you do to just every running back. You make the conscious decision to give them the ball. They get production. And so it's the... You can't, as a running back, how do you use production to uh, clarify your value to a team when the production that you're getting is largely a coaching decision? It's yeah, not always, anything to do. It has to be like a rate type thing. Like, essentially, you would need, like, a PFF grade is really the only way you can judge, like, how good an actual running back is. Right. And it's mostly offensive Well, that's the thing, is because when you get into, I know I... I, I hate things like this because I don't think we're good enough at them, but like the PFF war, like wins above replacement, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, um, when you start looking at stuff like that and you realize like how just low, the small amount of wins a running back gives, uh, gives you compared to other positions. If I hate, I hate clarifying it like that, but I think we can all understand like how dependent a running backs production is on the offensive line play, the total, efficiency of the offense the quarterback play etc i mean um i we're, i'm going to talk to beans about this later um but like 
scheme scheme being so important and all that stuff is every position. So I don't just want to like throw that out there as running back only because like the Chiefs threw two wide receivers at the lowest uh, wide receivers lined up on the outside at the lowest rate in the NFL last year. And but wide receiver is the most important position in the NFL. So like scheme determines a lot, but for running backs especially, like. I don't even think scheme necessarily really matters. It's literally just you make the conscious decision to give them a ball. It's a pretty um, easy position to understand. It's really the only position where you can watch somebody get signed that week, come in and play 100% of the snaps and, like, not miss a beat. Um, Like, you see that consistently through the NFL season. We have free agents sitting out there that are still free agents right now, big-name players, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, etc., that more than likely are going to get an opportunity and do that at some point this season when a top running back gets hurt. Um, so I don't know. It's a giant story. I think Jonathan Taylor signing or not signing his extension is going to be a like massive indicator of where we are right now. Um, that's kind of like the next big running back to possibly sign. If he does, he probably gets franchise tagged. We're just back where we are with Josh Jacobs, Saquon, et cetera, right now. Um, what are your thoughts, Beans? I've been bursting at the seams. <laughs> you, you covered a lot of ground there. Yeah. I, I've been sitting here just like, okay. All right. So there's like a couple of things. Like, it, there's like a lot of things. Like, I'm like, okay, remember this. Remember this. Remember this. <laughs> okay. So um, with like how contracts work in the NFL, and all 32 teams follow this model, it's like, a certain percentage goes to that. It's not like by it's not like biblical or anything like that, but a certain percentage is going to positional players. Like, yeah. so think of it like an offense, like quarterback, you usually carry two to three. Well, most of your money is probably going to go to your starting quarterback. And then it trickles down from there. Wide receivers. You usually play now in two to three wide receiver sets. So those three are going to get paid quite a bit more. And then it trickles down from there. Tight end. You know, you usually play one, but you rotate them a lot. So they get paid a little less. Um, And then linemen, you got to spread that out, spread the love out between them five. And then, you know, you got backup linemen making 900 K a year and they might get in or they might not. Hell, we just saw uh, St. Louis play with 20 different offensive linemen, probably all combined to make a hundred mil this year, or make one mil this year, make a million dollars. Like that's, Crazy. And then, like, running backs. Louis drop, by the way. What's that? So that's a crazy St. Louis drop right there. Uh, did I say St. Louis? You said St. Louis. Oh, shit, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> the Rams, speaking my of, bad. Speaking of running back contracts that are bad, talk Hang early. Talk early. Yeah, talk early. Yeah. Another, anyway, sorry. Um, and then, on top of, like, then you got get to running backs. Okay. You do have your top running back. However, anymore the nfl is not a three down running back league it's you know two and then you know it's schematics so it's coming to this point and it happens all the time sam and i talked about this last week like it's no longer a three down back it's just we're gonna find guys plug them in plug them and play and it will and this happens all the time a position is gonna bitch about their money Next, I bet within the next five years, it's tight ends. That's that's next because they're honestly just as rotational. They're, tight ends are just as rotational and schematic as running backs. You have your blocking. 
Well, okay, but you know what I mean? Like that if think about it, like they the Cowboys just drafted Luke Schoonmaker in the second round to be a blocking tight end when they still have Hendershot and Ferguson to catch passes. Like that is to me schematically positional in the NFL, but yet the running backs are bitching. Anyways, that's that's what I have to say about that. I would argue that if you find I would argue the most valuable tight end that if you can find one that can block and can actually run routes. But, and yeah, I mean, you can find a running back that can block, catch, and run, but, yeah, but you're going to pay a back. shit ton of money for that one running back when you could just pay for three that do them just a little bit differently and just are just as good and pay them less. Well, again, the reason that the, my argument for that is that running back shelf lives are less. Tight ends last for fucking ever for reasons unbeknownst to me um but like tight ends last a lot longer in general and like good we re- well we realize no 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 like- you wait just as long as i wait. i'm kidding i'm kidding fuck you <laughs> fuck you 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 have to wait as long as i did i'm kidding go ahead waiting for running like backs are in such a horrible position right now where like saquon barkley walks into his gm's office with his agent and the GM looks at him in the eyes like he's a fucking genius, has cracked the code. Like, ah, I don't care that you're Saquon Barkley. I'm not going to give you a big contract because look at all these other guys. He's he's cracked the code now. Like, Saquon Barkley is sitting there saying, dude, your dumbass is paying Kenny Galladay $14.7 million. Oh, right that's now. where his money went. Uh, no. I, like, Where's that? <laughs> But so, he says that, which is a hundred percent valid and like stupid. Like you're bad at spending money, anyways. At least give me what I've already earned, what I'm worth. And there, they still has so little leverage that he, they can't do that. Can we go into this real quick about New York's spending? Real quick, just we can go into Saquon's, and then I have a little bit of. It cannot well, be good. Okay, so let's go into the we Saquon thing, and then I. Let's go into Saquon saying that's part A. Part B is to follow with the contracts that have followed over the past couple of days here. Dude, we don't need to talk about Kenny Gaudi. We definitely don't need to talk no, about No, 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 no. Just follow, just follow the trail and pick up the crumbs, okay? All right. Okay, so Zoom call, Zoom call with all these elite running backs. You know, you had your Ezekiel Elliott, Cooks, Saquon, whatever. They had this 45-minute conversation on Zoom because they don't pay for premium. They get off. Less than 12 hours after getting off the Zoom call, Saquon signed a deal that was exactly like the franchise tag, just with um, $2 million attached onto it yeah. and a couple of incentives. Incentives like a slight ra- – it's it's a slight raise, incentives, and some like more money up front. So it's yes. better than the franchise tag, but at the same time – here's the crazy part. And I don't know if this is true. I have not seen anyone report this. So I don't think that this happened. He did not sign that contract with a provision that said he could not get tagged. Exactly. No, and that's so he's kicking the can down the road even further. You just signed a one-year deal, which was what your your option was, was what your franchise tag was. So now you just kicked it down the road. You get franchise tagged again at 27 years old. You're going to get franchise tagged again at 28 years old. You just ruined yourself there. Like, I don't get it. I don't get why that's not like a provision in that contract. Nobody, unless yeah. Unless you were so afraid that you might like fuck your knee up again, which I get with this injury history. But like, if you're so afraid that you'll fuck up your knee again and you're just hoping they'll franchise tag you again. 
like, like the they, franchise tag is based off. Would they? But the franchise tag is based off of your running back spending in the NFL. You didn't yeah. sign a contract that broke the deal. Like you didn't sign anything to help you. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, it doesn't make any sense. If the goal is to get to the open markets, it's it's dumb. But I almost feel like he wants to be able to fall back on the franchise tag just in case he gets hurt. <laughs> so, some. Oh, sorry, Beans. Uh, so, something else to like wrap this up completely. I just pulled up here is um, we hear this like, oh, you just use them for five years, like you guys are talking, then just draft another one. Um, Brian Robinson and Jameer Gibbs are both being paid as top twelve running backs in the NFL right now. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but it's so funny. No, it's, I'm, I'm dead. It's dead serious. No, I'm looking at the numbers. higher than that, I'm sure, too. David Montgomery is paid more than Jameer Gibbs right now all the way. Also, Okay, the way. and then, okay, sorry. I don't mean to, like, veer us away here a little bit, but after Saquon signed that contract, I, you know New York and the GM in New York had to keep this hush-hush. After Saquon signs that, no less than eight hours later, Andrew Thomas, the left tackle for New York, signs a five-year, $117 million contract immediately right after. Yeah, uh, left tackle. That'll do it. <laughs> yep. You know that they had to have told, like, Andrew, don't tell him how much you're going to be making. Bro, don't let it – Who's don't tell him, man. He'll be fucking pissed. Exactly. I you know that's how that had to have gone. They're like walking by each this. other in the parking lot. <laughs> oh, could you imagine what the first day of training camp is like? Is like you fucking stole my money. Someone <laughs> walking out, Andrew Thomas is walking in, and it's like, oh, what are you doing? It's like, ah, oh, nothing. <laughs> I do want to say one thing though. Shout out to Josh Jacobs for committing to the bit. That dude fucking left Las Vegas. Like that motherfucker not there. And honestly, if you're gonna hold out a training camp, it's like a hundred and thirteen degrees. In Henderson, Nevada, which is where the Raiders host training camp. Fuck that. I'm going anywhere else with air conditioning. I, I love the idea of these running backs get on the Zoom call like, oh, we're going to band together. Like, we're the best running backs in the NFL. We can't be replaced. And, like, immediately following that or right before it, Joe Mixon's voluntarily taking a pay cut and Saquon signing the exact same thing he was told that, like, is worthless. I, the last thing I want to say about this. Last two things. One, hilarious that J.K. Dobbins is in that call. Yes, correct. <laughs> like h- hilarious, honestly. Um, like, genuinely top-notch band. Because I don't think Tra- first of all, Travis Etienne has done more in one season in Jacksonville than J.K. Dobbins has done three. So like, if Etienne's not there, then why the fuck is J.K. Dobbins there? And I love J.K. Shout out Ohio State. But two, um, these are some names for the uh, running backs don't matter people. Terrence Gore and Jonas Gray. Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay got fucked by that system, though. <laughs> like, yeah, Jonas, well, yes. Like, not to be, like, I know that we're on the running backs don't matter train, but Philip Lindsay's going to make, like, and I, again, just like, Two to five million is like haha, like NFL player rich type thing. But that dude ran for like back to back 1,000 yard seasons and like a fuck ton of yards in Colorado over like an eight year span. And he got like two million dollars for it. I, 
I like that you, this is the last thing I'm going to add to this, but I do think NIL helps um, balance Agreed. this out a little bit because A, running backs are going to stay longer. They're getting paid more in college, um, which they're going to be Running backs in, in college NFL. actually do kind of matter because the talent disparity. They, they matter. They matter, especially from a marketing standpoint. And that's yes. what NIL is. So um, I think that's going to help them a lot before they even get to the NFL that like an offensive tackle or whatever isn't going to have the opportunity for. We're still we're talking about like, you know, a very select few players in college that are going to have that possibility. But it is important to mention. Yeah. Beans, do you have anything more to say about running backs before we get to training camp? Um. I think we're just going to keep seeing this trend of the Leonard Fournette's and Ezekiel. It's like, you are 27 years old. You're going to be a free agent. Like, By the way, I do want to take one victory lap. Because I remember in 2016 at the Kansas State Luck basketball course, I was asked, who would you rather take first in the draft at running back? Or which running back would you rather take? Leonard Fournette or Christian McCaffrey? And I said, I wouldn't draft any of them in the first round. But if you told me I had to, I'd take CMC because he can return punts and he can catch the football. So if you're not CMC at running back, you need to find a new position. Because CMC yep. will get paid because CMC can play anywhere. <laughs> yes, positionless football. Beans. Now, now Sam. Oh, good, yeah. Before we get into training camp, I just need you to be the moderator. I need you to accept your role because God has sent me here for a purpose. And <laughs> well, I, you are I was just about to say Beans hit us with the misinformation. No, well, we're that's the problem. Game, but Beans is Beans is not going to be an impartial, you know, anything in this. Beans is going to be hyping things up. Kadarius Tony's knee is going to be fine. So I accept as your host. To be the moderator of the great Kansas City Chief training camp debates. Thank God. <laughs> now, Beans, you will get the floor. But if at any time Gavin raises his hand, you will have about 10 seconds to finish your point, And I will cut you off like a regular moderator does in a presidential <laughs> debate. I love the constitutional freedom that's flowing through this podcast right now. I love we're, this. We're all the way back. It's 38 days till K-State football kicks off. It's 43 days until the NFL kicks off. We're restoring order to this podcast. And Beans, training camp reports are all misinformation. And you are the most misinformation chief source that we have. So I need you to tell me why are the Chiefs going seventeen and zero this year? All right. So the confirmation of seven. I'm I'm glad that you said that because um, it's very much going to happen. Um, so let's go ahead and start off with the beginning of training camp. So rookies report: Rasheed Rice reportedly out of shape. Uh, he puked off to the side. Fun fact. Fun fact. Andy Reid runs their asses off. At the beginning of camp, he's very much an old-fashioned coach like that. I hope so. And um, reports are SMU practices and 
uh, in a indoor facility that, during their whole season. I read as well, which makes sense because it's hot as hot as hell. And you also have to remember they are in the middle of St. Joe, Missouri, which is basically Arkansas, which is basically hot as hell. So, like, of course, that is the, not basically is that that surely not that's basic. I'm going it, to Missouri. Okay. Missouri is Arkansas, except for Kansas City and St. Louis. Right. St. Louis is. St. Louis. I'll buy that. Okay. Buy St. That. Louis is pretty much Illinois. Kansas City is pretty much Kansas. The rest is Arkansas. By the we way, bring, awesome. you could have just been at Power and Light the night prior. Like, let's not even. <laughs> and that's going to be true, too. Up. <laughs> and yeah. Okay. Okay. And then everybody else reports back to camp, all the veterans, all the other players. They have conditional training. Rasheed Rice bounced back and finished first in all of the conditioning. So I'm not really worried there. Rasheed Rice is looking good. Um, but reports are coming out of camp that Richie James has been looking very solid. Like he honestly could be over jumping MVS at this point. Like it could go very possibly that top, like that sky race for number one, sky more, you know, Rasheed rice, uh, Kadarius, Tony, whenever he decides to be healthy, we'll get to that here in a second. And then, you know, outside Travis Kelsey, I'm just talking receivers here. And then like, honestly, like Richie James could be like that sneaky player coming in. And honestly, like this, this wide receiver room is pretty damn thick. Like, we're at the point where at the beginning of camp, I was like, you know, Richie James is like the guy on the outside looking in. Like it's to the point now where Justin Watson, who we gave a two year, pretty much like 85% of his contract was fully guaranteed where he's now on the outside looking in. Go ahead, Gavin. I didn't need 10 seconds. Uh, Cause I finished quicker than 10 seconds. I don't have much to add. I just want to um, tell the American public that the only thing thick about the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver room is Richie, uh, Jesus, Rashi Rice's out of shape ass. Um, everything else about it is not deep. It is not thick. It is a mediocre room at best, and compared to the rest of the NFL, is below average. Continue. I, I thought he meant like thick in the thighs or something. Um, no, I, no are, are, it, thick as in like there's just a lot of warm bodies there. That doesn't make it good. Are, By the way, St. Joe's, Missouri is uh, north of Kansas City, so the opposite direction of Arkansas for our listeners out there. Still Arkansas. Anyway, so. <laughs> it's closer to Nebraska. <laughs> In fact, I think it's about probably 30 minutes away from Nebraska. It's closer to Iowa, too. <laughs> so... Anyways, moving on, uh, continuing on in the wide receiver room before even like practice begins. So in football, you have this little warm up period where, you know, the punters come out, kickers come out, do their thing, special teams and punt returners and kick returners are out there too to return. Well, Kadarius Tony, we all kind of figured he'd be the kick returner slash punt returner for the season. Um, him and Richie James, probably a combination of both. Before practice even starts, like taught one of the first few punts that go off, he tweaks his knee. <gasps> that, yeah. Shocker. Shocker. No, honestly, saying he's made a paper mache is disrespectful to paper mache. So, well, he's had <laughs> knee issues since college, so it's like. 
they they expect him to be fine by week one. You know, sure. Uh, supposedly, reports came out that he had offseason surgery. I guess those were false. He didn't have offseason surgery, but today or to yesterday or today, he had uh, his knee cleaned up. You know, worked on. So who knows? Like, if he did actually have surgery, go ahead, Gavin. Um. No, I. I guess I just want to point out the fact that you've talked about everyone in Kansas City besides the two wide receivers that are actually starting in wide two wide receiver sets, um, which is uh, very training campy and is very, uh, you know, like hype central. And remember last offseason, we did this as well with Kansas City, where everyone, there's a narrative out there. There's this thing the media's got to push to identify the wide receiver one in Kansas City. And we, as we all know, the reality is, you know, everybody's getting first team reps. That's the thing you see. Justin Ross is, Justin Watson is, Rashi Rice is, everyone. Because when we go five wide, we just pretty much throw any warm bodies, left tackles, um, people from the crowd out there at wide receiver and have them run crossers and shit. And then tell Mahomes throw it here when the defense isn't there. Um, the reality is the only like actual tangible information that I've taken away from this offseason um, people are going to see this as me being biased, but uh, MVS and Sky Moore are the starters in two wide receiver sets right now. When there are two wide receivers out there with the starting 11, it is those two. When we add on to those two guys, they're also still always out there. They are the only two wide receivers that are not leaving the field outside of us doing some bullshit with Jody Fortson. Um, so I, <laughs> that's that to me is actual news. You talk about all these guys that could be the wide receiver one that could take that step reality is like, those are the two guys that are there right now. I mean, I've even seen it go so far to say um, now sky Moore can step into that role. Cause Kadarius Tony isn't there. Well, not only did Kadarius Tony like not make it to the, even like the first rep of practice for us to ever know that, but like, how do we know that sky Moore hadn't beat him out already? How do we know that it wouldn't be sky Moore and um, Kadarius Tony out there over MBS? That's the like, I just want to point out the like actual news and like the I guess facts of who's starting right now that we do have. Everything else besides that is just kind of like hearsay. They say whatever, whatever you want to say about uh, who's looking good from non-football minds. No, and that that's a very good point. Um, it is. It has been MVS, and honestly, like, so when you go into practice, like you know your depth chart, like you know who's with the ones and you know who you're rolling with, you know, even your third string wide receiver is still rolling with the ones. Um, it's that's very positive that we're seeing sky Moore take that step that we've been wanting him to see being, you know, someone who only had like what, four or five, 600 yards last year at receiver. And now he's like catching passes from Mahomes full time now. So that's a yeah. very positive step in the right direction. It's a very Andy Reid esque way. We're going to see Rasheed rice go through the same process. Yeah, I think yeah, that's our, the biggest thing with the whole thing is one could argue, you know, oh, it, like Kadarius Tony and MVS were going to be like the two receivers and two wide receiver sets. But now he's not, and he's missing very valuable training camp time where Sky Moore is going to have two years of training camp time underneath his belt. So, I mean, even if Kadarius Tony is the better player, it's very likely that Sky Moore will probably just be the starter and get more of the reps because he just has better chemistry with Pat over the past two I, years. I honestly wouldn't hide the fact that like Sky Moore could be the first because all 
Tony will be is just the gadget receiver, smokescreen guy. It feels like he's going to be in a limited, in a limited role. It almost feels like he's just replacing McCall Hardman. That's almost yeah. what it feels like. He he is going to be the smarter version of McCall. He's he's never yeah. played a full time role in his life. Um, but besides that, actually, one thing that's as a uh, Sky Moore fan myself, um, one thing that has frustrated me about Sky Moore about the Chiefs in general. I think this is a very overblown thing that you hear in the NFL. Um, but right now we have Sky Moore, who it was blown way out of proportion that like he, uh, we knew he, I've said on his podcast before is even a uh, big story that he didn't understand the offense. That's like the only thing that could keep him off the field is he probably just doesn't understand. We hear in the Super Bowl that he scores on a play when he's actually lined up in the wrong side. Like even at the end of the season still doesn't have a grasp of the offense. Now he's the guy that's mentoring Rashi Rice. Like that's um, like I, Sky Morse as came out said, you know, he's, I see him talking to the media. He's the guy that media is coming to now um, to like ask questions, talk about the offense, blah, blah, blah. A, I'm confused why that's not MVS. I'm really just confused what MVS does at all. Like, to be honest, I thought that like MVS and Justin Watson are here just to be bodies and run crossers. And, like, at the very least, they could go talk to the media and, you know, teach the wide receivers coming into the NFL at least how to be a pro. But they can't do that either. Um, so we have this year two pro out of Western Michigan teaching a SMU wide receiver how to play wide receiver in the NFL. Um, that feels concerning to me. It feels like we're putting too much on Sky Moore's plate again for a second year. And it feels like we're kind of stunting the growth of the rest of the wide receiver core also at that time. Because, like, the guy that Sky Moore is referenced is, like, learning a lot from is Richie James, who's, like, a career wide receiver, like, four or five, like, slot receiver across multiple teams. That just, that part has kind of bothered me a little bit. Again, I think that, like, you know, this wide receiver, this quarterback, whatever, is going to learn from the guy ahead of him. I think that's very overblown. But it's an important thing to note right now that it doesn't feel great that Rashi Rice is talking about learning a lot from Sky Moore in practice, and Sky Moore didn't know the playbook three months ago. So uh, I think, and I'm going to try to explain this best I can. I don't think Andy Reid or let alone Brett Veach would put Sky in this position if they didn't trust him. They We're talking about. Year. No, no, no. Like putting him as the front guy, like as the camera guy, got to answer questions. I don't think they wouldn't have done this because this is the same group that, you know, threw Patrick Mahomes in at quarterback his second year, gave him a contract extension after his third year. Uh, You know, this is the same group of people that started Trey, uh, Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey at as rookies. Like, I don't think they would put these guys in this position unless they didn't think they were ready. So obviously, Sky Moore's ready. Like that, as a I, person, I think he, he's ready. I'm just concerned yes. about the player ability at this point, or I guess player knowledge ability. Yeah. No, I get and, that. no yeah, that's that's very reasonable. And Andy Reid's playbook is hard as fuck to understand. I mean, have you watched the quarterback series? Like that when they talk about the plays, it, I, I, everybody like I, not the average person couldn't do it. Like, and let alone like somebody coming out of Western Michigan could have had a very simplified offense, uh, could have had plays called by animals or food or something like that. Now he's coming here and learning like these phrases that are as long as, you know, 
you know, the great wall of China, like he's got to have to learn how to comprehend all that. So, um, that is a very hard transition. So. Yeah. I, I just hope that's, uh, that was my two thoughts on it. My big takeaways from training camp so far, like I said, are the two wide yeah. receiver set starters and the lack of, I guess, a veteran presence in the room right now. It feels yeah. like sky Moore is that veteran presence. And like, I, uh, from a player, uh, from a personal standpoint, I think he's the perfect person to do it. Shit, the dude was doing uh, like media stuff, was out in the community a lot just as a rookie when he didn't even have that big of a role as a rookie. So I think he's obviously prepared as a person to step up there. But again, I just um, that his knowledge of the offense is not the person that I want in that position. Yeah, and then yeah, I mean, let's not hide the fact that wide receiver one is Kelsey. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's gonna Kelsey's gonna go for thirteen hundred yards and double digit touchdowns, six to ten TDs. Yeah, so yeah. that's that's your wide receiver one. It's you know gonna be filled in in between by a collection of three to four receivers, Pacheco and McKinnon thrown in there as well. Um, news on Pacheco: he started off hurt. Uh, he has a yellow jersey, meaning like no contact at all. But let me tell you. The guy looks like a linebacker. He looks thick, like dummy strong. And I'm excited for year two Pacheco. I wonder if that could be a detriment, though. But It could be. I don't know, but he had 4-3 speed. How much of a detriment could it be? Like, mm, I don't know. Gavin? Um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the 17th highest paid running back in the NFL right now. <laughs> Uh, just to like put that out there for everybody that you're talking about this generic princes, you're talking about the Isaiah Pacheco's and like, I don't know the entire time Isaiah Pacheco was uh, breaking out last year and Derek McKinnon was when Clyde was hurt. We're going to see like a Zeke Elliott uh, type just forced volume for uh, half of this year because we've got that first round pick in them and Mahomes trusts them. And we know how God, I hope not. I, there's no reason to. There's no reason. I, I could see you using Clyde instead of McKinnon, but like in a two downs, like back role, like why? Like Pacheco is just so obviously the most equipped for that role. Yeah. I, so. Contrary to popular belief, there's a lot of reports out there like, why don't we cut trade Why or cut uh, CEH? Why don't we trade him? It's like, well, first off, you're not going to get anything more than a maybe a conditional sixth for him. Yeah, conditional sixth is a seventh if he like doesn't make the roster. Yeah, and then like cutting him, you're only saving pennies. Like it's nowhere near like the juice is not worth the squeeze on cutting him. You might as well keep him and see how he turns out. Um, yeah. I do think we're keeping four running backs this year. It's Pacheco, McKinnon, CEH, and I honestly think Daenerys Prince won't make it past waivers. I think Daenerys Prince is probably the guy that replaces Clyde for next year. Yes, and so I don't think I don't think Prince makes it past the waivers. So that's why I don't think they're going to try to practice squad stash him or anything. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to make him a rostered player. Plus, he's another turns. He's another body for punt returns. Exactly. We we saw this problem last year. You know, Kansas City is very much a swing team. You know, they have problems and they over swing and correct it. Um, they did it on the O line. They've done it at wide wide receiver, et cetera, et cetera. They that now they're doing it at punt return. We had a very big issue in punt returns last year. Now we have like eight punt returners. So, 
<laughs> yeah, we really so, do do that shit, don't we? Yeah. So, but we fixed the offensive line, so it's okay. No, we, I think we did actually fix the offensive line. As funny as it is, we actually did. No, no, no. Yeah. Believe it or not, our offensive. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it with my chest. This is the best roster defense and offense we've had centered around Patrick Mahomes since Patrick Mahomes has been here. I don't even know if I can disagree with that just under the guys that like two years ago, like literally our entire team was just, Hey, you take, if you take into consideration coaching staff, offense and defense, this is the best I, Patrick Mahomes has ever had around him. Well, because I, I might agree yeah. with you beans. Well, cause my thing is I, I literally remember like two, three years ago and it was like, Hey, we're winning all these games, but like just barely. And it's like, who are the good players on this team? And it's like, okay, we've got Tyron Matthew, Travis Kelsey, Pat, Tyreek, Harrison Butker, and Chris Jones. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> well, and it was like, that was it. That the, the rest of the roster stunk. But we and that was being led by a Bob Sutton defense. That was Bob Sutton was leading no, that defense. That wasn't Bob Sutton's defense. Bob Sutton's oh, defense that was, was nineteen. That was that a war criminal, by the way. <laughs> and even then, so I still even think with that team that added 19, which what I thought was a very strong consideration that, for a Super Bowl no, winning team. 19, no. Uh, oh, no. Wait, I'm thinking of 18. Excuse me. The 19 team was pretty good. Yes, I thought that was a Super winning team. But I think this team this year, front to back, coaching staff and everything, I think this is the best team. Just because, just because there's no... <clears throat> exceptional talent. It's just a bunch of great players that do their jobs, do it right with great coaching staff. I, I think, I think it's really hard to separate how good the roster is and how good the coaching staff is. Um, because like in the reality of like, we got rid of Tyree kill and then Patrick Mahomes had a more efficient passing season. Like those two things are not supposed to be connected, but it doesn't matter who we play at receiver. A tree could go for 800 yards. Like, we've had these conversations. So, I, I agree with you. Um, I understand the sentiment. I guess I should say I understand the sentiment. I'm not sure if I agree with you. The one thing I know for sure is we have the best coaching staff in the NFL. I don't know if I'm ready to commit to the roster statement, but our coaching staff is so far above and beyond the, like, just theory of football of everyone else in the NFL right now that it just – it offsets so much of a talent deficiency across the roster. And that's honestly, I would, I think the 20 team probably was the best roster, if I'm being honest. That was probably the best team, at least. Until injuries plagued them. That that team just unfortunately lost uh, Eric Fisher and like the rest of the up. If that offensive line stays healthy, do they win? Who knows? It's hard to say. But I think that team was that team was probably the the best team that we had. I so say. I mean that and that that's just the offense. Like on defense, we're having really good corner play from Jalen Watson and Josh Williams, who we don't have very high draft capital in. I think we if we if we trade him, which we won't, but if we traded him, we'd get more in return than what we invested into them as a draft pick. So um and then you got, you know, uh, last year we had Dion Bush playing as our fourth string safety. He's now on the outside looking in too, because everybody else that we have drafted 
signed, you know, has just been very solid and very has been seemed to be picking up the defensive playbook really well. So speaking of defense, what's going what are we doing with Chris Jones, Beans? Yeah. So supposedly sources say that they're not close. <laughs> That's Chris Jones's agent talking. So they're yes. closer than that. Yeah. So it, it, it's hard to say like what are Chris the options? Jo- like let, let's just run through the options. We don't no, well, no we know he's not sitting out. He 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 can't sit out. Like there's no way he sits out. That is not an option. I just kind of assumed he would eventually report. He's just taking a long he's, time to get there. He's going to report. And last time he did this, he reported out of shape. So I'm curious to see how well. And it's probably going to happen again. So that that he did this in what was it, eighteen or nineteen, when he was demanding more money. Probably. And and so. He was really, you know, very much adamant, like, I want to be paid. This is what I deserve, so forth and so forth. He came in. He got his contract. He got what he wanted. He signed it. He signed it. He signed it on July 14th, came into training cap out of shape. We're in the same situation. We're in late July. You know, he's not reporting. He's being stubborn. He's probably, he can't sit out. He's too old. Um, He's probably demanding somewhere in the thirty million per year for the wow. next for the next three years. So he, I mean, let's be real. Like D tackles, once they hit a thirty, like Aaron Donald is by far one of the best D tackles we'll ever see play for a very, very, very long time. Yeah. I think Chris Jones is a little bit more toolsy. He's not as good, but I think he's a little bit more toolsy than Donald. I would agree with that. I don't think Jones is going to make the contract what Donald made just because, just because Veach is stubborn like that. So I, I guess this goes probably two ways then. It's probably either... A, he sits out training camp and reports. He sits out training camp, comes in, plays, and then either at some point he gets an extension or it's a tag and trade, right? That's probably the two options. So let me go ahead and look up his current contract at the moment. So for those that don't know, the Chiefs are like second to last in cap right now with a million dollars only behind Tampa Bay. And so... Rip Tampa Bay. (laughs) Um, so the fact and what this contract extension does is it just you know expands our money a little bit more it doesn't have such a big cap hit this year probably save us four million whatever but then you have to worry about it the next couple seasons so chris jones is the second highest paid player with a cap hit of 20 about 28 million dollars um and obviously like with his contract if we traded him or cut him, there's only seven million in dead cap. Well, I'm saying tag and trade next off season. That's what. That's a very strong. That is a very strong possibility. You wouldn't get much in return as far as like money, we but you get a lot more. We're trying to win Super Bowls. We wouldn't trade him this year. That didn't make any no. sense. No, no. So <clears throat> his last contract he made was a four-year, eighty million dollar contract. So. I'm assuming he's going to want to look for another couple more seasons. And yeah, I know he wants to retire a chief. I want him to retire a chief. I think he's great in a chief's uniform, 
but I would rather have, how do I put this? I'd rather squeeze every ounce that he's willing to play with us. And then just like, if you're going to be successful, I'd rather you be successful somewhere else and then Peter out from there. Yeah. Again, I, what do you th- like? It's it's one of those two things, right, Gavin? Like he, we either sign him to an extension or he gets tagged and tagged and traded. I don't. I mean, I guess we could tag him, but no, we just started redoing this song and dance. Then, right? I think the last time we did it, it it's a lot different being in this situation years ago when he's you know twenty six, twenty seven, playing it yep. like the peak peak D tackle in the game outside of the Aaron Donald and like being a difference maker. It's really difficult to back up that exact same contract three years later when you're 30. And yeah, that's the issue. And I just, there's, there's no reason for the Kansas City Chiefs to put themselves into that like type of cap risk standpoint. We're already like stretched. I don't understand. There's no reason to take on that amount of risk where you're paying some dude like, a year and a half from now, Chris Jones is like not playing and we're giving him a $10 million cap hit the next year and he's not on our roster. So, we, and there, and we're running into a situation where it's Snead, you know, what do we do with Snead now? Like, okay, we give Jones this money. We have a perfectly fine 25 year old Legereus Snead that's looking to stay in Kansas City. You also have Nick Bolton coming up, Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey. You got a lot of these guys that, you know, that, that, you know, you got to spread the wealth out a little bit. It feels to me, if I had to like legitimately guess on this, right? My guess is that Sneed gets the extension, would be my guess. Chris Jones gets tagged and traded. And then probably two out of three of, uh, you see, I want to keep Creed Humphrey, but like the Chiefs don't resign centers. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, though, if we're in a world where we can keep Creed or Trey Smith, I'm probably going to keep Creed. I, I think we would resign one of them and then Nick Bolton's a toss up because off ball linebackers and off ball linebackers, the running back of defense. So, yeah. Um, well, Nick Bolton, you know, he's been working on his pass game, but he's very much one dimensional. He's very much a downhill thing. If Nick Bolton wants to keep, if Nick Bolton wants to do the Demarcus Robinson, where he signs like one year deals for like three to five million for like until he can get a multi year deal somewhere somewhere else, then let him. I just don't think that he, Nick Bolton's just not a guy that's going to get resigned. Is really what it is. Like and Willie Gay has a better chance of getting resigned than Nick Bolton. Yeah, yeah, Willie Gay and then Drew Tranquil. You know, he's another one-year player that we signed for a, a chump of change. Like, you got a lot of these guys that are coming up that we have to really think about here. Yeah, so I, I, I think Chris Jones is. Pro- I think Chris Jones is going to be the wrong side of thirty, and it's going to suck to see him go. And it's probably going to hurt worse than Tyreek in terms of on-field. Yes. But he's kind of a lynch put pin. Tyreek, you can kind of absorb because you still have Kelsey. But I think that I think it pretty much just turns into what can you get for Chris Jones and like can your edge rushers that you drafted in Carloftis and uh Felix and then in Manahue, can they like basically make up for it on the aggregate? So Yeah. All right. Does anyone else have any other training camp stuff before we move on? 
No, we covered a lot of ground there. I think we did a good job. I think uh, I think we've done a good job today. So now it's time. I'm, is it time to get silly beans, or do we have anything serious that we want to talk about? Oh, that I think that's relatively it. Um, other than so, it's Molly, right? Hi, Molly. Molly's just out here, just being a little silly goose. Get the little silly goose. She's just wanting to say hi. All, All right. right. You pushed her off. She's That's used to it. <laughs> All right, Beads. You have a thought-provoking moment with, for us today. Also, Gavin, did you hear the one that he asked me about sneezing and Taco Bell? No. Oh, my God. So, Beans, while you look for a good one, this was his question. It was like, would you rather every time you go to Taco Bell, your order is blended into a smoothie? Disgusting, but whatever. Or every time you sneeze, your gas tank goes down to empty. And it's like, it's like, would I rather break my leg or die? Thanks. <laughs> I'm assuming Sam like also said that incorrectly because you have to eat the smoothie, right? You can't just yes. like have it blended and then just not eat it. Yes, you like, have to eat it. I you can just not go to sneeze. Taco Bell. That and it is Taco Bell, but like I can't control when I sneeze. I can set a smoothie down and not eat it. Exactly. But you have to eat it. Okay, that's. But you just don't have to go to Taco Bell. You just <laughs> never go back. You just go to Taco John's. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that was one that I got, and it was the worst question of all time. Yeah, that's not great. Okay, all right. Well, it's not. This one's not so much a question. It's more of a like. I need you guys to. It can't be worse than that one. So just know oh. that. And if it is, your segment is toast. No, I, I've got a, I got several good ones, but this one I've been like keeping in the chamber. So, do you guys have a computer or your phone on hand? Yes. Okay. Look up. Look up. Look this up. And for our audience, pull over. Stop what you're doing at work. If you're on the toilet, this is probably better. Look up baby horse hooves. Oh, I don't want to see this. Just look up baby horse hooves. So this isn't going to be like a porn thing, is it? Nope. 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 I promise you it's PG. All right. What am I looking at here? What am I looking for? All right. Do you have a picture of them? Yeah. Is that not the grossest, most disgusting thing you have ever seen in your entire life? I don't know. Beans, I've helped like pull a calf before. I mean, I have done that too, but baby horses are the grossest, just. They look like plants. They look disgusting. Huh. Would you lick one? Hey, uh, no. Would you lick one? Would you lick one? No. Maybe. They look like plants. Nope. Uh, nope. Oh, oh, my God. Some of these I'm pictures just making are just... The decision not. I'm doing okay when I'm not licking horses, uh, So Some of those pictures are just horrible. Oh, my God. Yep. You see, this doesn't like phase me that much though, Beans, because there was yeah. a I had a kick, right? I had a kick during COVID where I found 
this guy called like the hoof man or something. And literally his entire YouTube channel was was like fixing horse hooves or cow hooves or whatever. And so he would literally take a knife and like shim it down. To yeah. I've seen body. those. Yeah. And like, he'll find like where like the infected like rocks are that are in the hoof. So he like has to spray it out and clean it and everything and fill it in. So, whatever. so and I used to, I used off. to, I used to work for a horse farm for a very brief period back in my younger days and a uh, horse farm, a ranch, you know, and they had horses. We plant them and then they grew and that's how you got horse hooves, baby horse hooves. No. Uh, and we would do that too. Um, but not once did I ever see a baby horse. I, I don't know. I've never seen a baby horse, I guess. And I've never looked at their hooves. Cause that, that is just bang is what it almost like. looks like pasta. Like it honestly looks like really gross yeah, pasta. It literally looks like it looks like a plant. It it's looks gross. Yeah. It's a plant. I've seen plants that look like that. And then I was told this one today. Imagine taking a toenail clipper to your teeth. Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> your reaction. My teeth are stronger than that, right? Okay, here's the thing, right? You know what the biggest reason why... So, you know, like, people get into fights all the time for no fucking reason other than just being insecure about their masculinity? Um, or just other bullshit. Um, do you want to know why I've never wanted to get in a fight? Why? Because I've always been afraid that I'm going to lose a fucking tooth. I, like, I have a fake. I have a fake tooth. No, I want to keep. I have a. I want to keep my. Tooth. I have a, not a crown, but a filling in one of mine. Yeah, and it's weird. It. I've had it for two years. It feels weird. I don't like it, and I don't want to lose or chip any of my other teeth. Gavin, do you remember in our? It would have been our senior year of high school. I think we were in the same English class. Um, I lost my tooth in the middle of class. Yeah, it's this, it. it's this tooth right here. It's fake. Yep, you literally just like fell out. Yeah, I was just chewing on my headphones like this, and then just all of a sudden it just went. That's super gross. Did they give you the necklace? No. Well, okay, so I lost it originally in eighth grade when one of my buddies pushed me into the bleachers. Oh, okay, that makes more sense now. So they put it back in. And then so they, well, they put on a fake one. Well, I guess it only lasts like six years which I am way overdue on this tooth, by the way. And should we just pull it at your batch party? <laughs> oh God. I'm always worried about that. Like there's moments where like I'm eating something and I feel it feel weird. And I'm like, Oh no. Uh -oh. oh no. And then there's moments okay. where like, okay, okay, okay. Beans. I, I know you want to finish your story. What is there a contingency plan for if it falls out during your wedding or like, before, oh, right before we're going full hillbilly, man. We're going no tooth at all no dude did you have to have a contingency plan for that well, it's a saturday well lauren is never going to let you down live that down lauren's sister is a dental hygienist so surely oh, there you go she could like just quickly f get me into the office and just like put some glue on that bitch. oh boy drew wants me to trade him darren waller as i have two tight ends on my entire roster one of I which have, is Cole Komet, 
who makes more money on an average basis than Saquon Barkley. We never really talked about that. We did tie it in. Let's go. <laughs> All right. There we go. Thank, thank you to Drew Hardenberger for tying that in. All right, does anyone have a crazy hot take, or are we done so gunzo? Uh, no, I just got to get it down in writing that uh, Sky Moore is going for 1,100 this year. I would say 1,000, but 1,000 yards is stupid after we added the extra game. Let's get it up to uh, 1,100 yards, the actual uh, just like 1,000 yards with the regular uh, old schedule length. Um, he's going to be the wide receiver one for the Chiefs this year. It appears as though he's got good connection with Mahomes. He's the best route runner the Chiefs have on the roster outside of Travis Kelsey. Um, no reason it shouldn't happen outside of Justin Watson playing snaps because he's big and can block. Right, I have no rebuttal to that. What's you that? Are we ready to rock and roll and get out of here and cut, cut this bitch up? Um, no, my hot take is uh, Tang's going to have a contract extension by the end of the summer. I think he already has a contract extension. Yeah, that's a good one. Essential. You did it, Beans. Hooray! Well done, Beans. Good, good take. You're already correct. Gavin, I, I enjoyed having you back on. I, I missed this. My my hot take is that Gavin will be back next week. Ooh, that's an extreme hot take. What's the odds? We have to have a betting line. Yeah, there's no betting line no, because we, we never hit any of our bets during the season. We're going to bring it back! Bring it back! Well, we, me, I, I'm not Land is back. listening at this point, but Land has already lost his own bet that I won't be back. That's also part of the reason I'm back is just to spite Jacob. So, <laughs> all right, everyone, and with that, that's been our show. We want to thank everyone for listening to us today. Blab on about conference realignment, training camp, and the likes. If you enjoyed today's show, you can follow the show on Twitter and or X, whatever the fuck it's called at this point. At <laughs> underscore underscore F3S. That's underscore underscore F3S. All capitals. If you enjoy the show so much that you want authentication, there is a link in the bio for our Twitter account. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on Apple Pod and Spotify or YouTube for that matter if you enjoyed today's episode. It's or everywhere. Or X Twitter. You know what? Fuck Elon Musk. That's all I want to say. But anyways, thank you to everyone for flying with us today. We've enjoyed having you. Have a great rest of your day. And don't sleep on, on Richie James. <laughs>